Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to our time of opening God's Word together. Uh, over the last six weeks, we've been taking a look at uh, what it means to be the church. Uh, that that uh, little phrase that I have been using over the last uh, six or seven months uh, about what our purpose here is, that we don't uh, come to church each week, we don't go to church, we don't, uh, this, isn't, this isn't the church, this building, uh, we are the church, and it's our desire to, to be God's church. And, and uh, we've been looking at this series from the, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we've been examining verses 42 through 47, and I just wanted to review this morning, we're now seven weeks, this is our seventh week into this series, and I just wanted to take a moment to kind of look back and, and review uh, what we've covered. And if you've missed a, a week over the course of the last uh, uh, six weeks, um, we do have some of these messages up on the Southside webpage if you'd like to, to listen to one maybe that you've uh, missed. We just have the first three up, but the other, the other uh, four after this week will be up shortly. So you can check back and, and uh, catch those if, uh, again, if you'd like to listen and catch up with where we've been. Uh, so we started this series off by looking at how the early church was devoted to teaching. Devoted to teaching, and, and this encompassed the, the events, the, the proofs, and the benefits of the gospel story, the life and, and times of Jesus Christ, the things he did, the things that he taught, and the church that arose as a result of, of his life here on earth. And, and we saw how knowing the Bible, knowing the teachings of Jesus gives us the ability and it gives us the skills necessary to glorify God and to manage this life, life's difficult, and, and the Bible gives us the tools that we need to handle the different situations that come up in our life, whether it be good things or, or, or negative things. The next week, we looked at how we needed to be devoted to fellowship, and, and that idea of fellowship comes from the Greek word uh, koinonia, you might remember that, which means togetherness, uh, working together, sharing together, uh, living life together, which is what we're going to talk about today, in a sense, where we see how the early church lived out this koinonia fellowship uh, in their day-to-day lives. And we saw how in that fellowship it showed uh, a devoted uh, nature to each other a connected nature with, with each other of the early church and, and how that drew people in to that early body of believers. <clears throat> then we looked at how the early church was devoted to the breaking of bread, to what we just practiced here, communion, the, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. And, and we see that this act that we, we participate in each week is a command from Jesus. It's a remembrance of Jesus. It's a time of thanks for Jesus. It's a proclamation about Jesus, and it's a fellowship with Jesus. And, and all of those things are accomplished through a very simple time uh, uh, that we take uh, or we place a very high importance of in our, in our service each week. And then we looked at the early church and how they were devoted to praying for each other, to prayer, and, and how we need to be persistent. We looked at those two parables that Jesus taught about the, the lady who had a, a grudge, or not a grudge, but a, a problem with a neighbor who was uh, persecuting her in a sense, and she persistently uh, brought the case before a judge, and, and finally the judge relents out of fear for his own life because she was so persistent. And and, and we were taught, Jesus teaches us, is, is that he wants us us to be that persistent in, in our prayers to God because God loves us so much. 
And then that week I also uh, shared a, a personal story of, of my friend and watching him in communication with his son and how God desires us to just come before him with everything that's on our heart. And he loves to hear from, from his children. And that's what we are. Uh, and also I, I talked about the acts. Do you remember the acts of prayer? It is a little tool that we can use to, to kind of guide our prayers. If we're struggling with what to pray, we can look at the acts model, A-C-T-S, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication model of prayer. And again, if you missed any of these, I'd invite you to check them out on the webpage and listen to the sermon so you can get a better idea of what, what I'm talking about in review of this. And then two weeks ago, we saw that the early church was devoted to unity, to unity, and how our unity among this body comes from an understanding that we all have a common need, right? We're all in the same boat. Uh, we all need a Savior. And my sin is different than your sin, but it has the same consequences of separating us from God. And when we understand that, it's a whole lot easier to look at someone with love and understanding and to build a, a bond of peace and, and, and uh, build a relationship with each other. And then last week we looked at the concept of, or the idea that the church was devoted to generosity. And that giving of our time and our talent and our, our financial resource, all three of those comprise generosity. It's not just one over the other. And we need to be challenged individually to be people who serve each other who use the gifts that God has given us for his glory. And we need to be responsible as well in the giving of our financial resources. And that we need to do those things with a cheerful and grateful heart, understanding that God has given to us, and so then we give in response to that. God loved us, so we can love him. God forgave us, we can forgive others. God's given to us, so we give in return to him. So we've looked at these things, and we're going to pick this up. We have two more weeks, this week and next week, where we'll continue looking at Acts chapter 2 uh, and the idea of being the church. So let's pick up and read once again Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Has anybody got this memorized yet? Because if you're in a home group, uh, you probably have read this many, many times on Sunday morning. If you're my wife who has to sit through all of these different times, I'm sure she has it memorized already this morning. But here we go. Let's read it once again. Starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship, to the breaking of bread and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, at the, at, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, Acts chapter 2 is a great example of, of what happens when the church has its priorities right. In the month of January, earlier this year, we, we took a look at that existence statement that we've adopted here at Southside. We kind of changed, we didn't really change anything, but we combined a couple different statements that we had of our mission statement, a vision statement, purpose, and we created it into one, uh, one statement that answers the question of why do we exist? And, and we exist to glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples. 
Okay, we, we exist to glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples uh, found from John, in John 17 and Matthew 28. Uh, Acts 2 is, is a vivid picture of this purpose, this purpose, reason for existing, being played out. As a result of Peter's sermon in, in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we learn that a thousand people or thousands of people were made disciples in one day. Right, the, the making of disciples in that one day was amazing. The church just exploded. And we see that that church then sprung into action to take these new believers and to mature them. They were committed to certain practices, which we've been talking about over the last six weeks. Then we see that through these actions of, of the things that they were devoted to, that they continued to make and mature disciples. And as a result, God was glorified. And then something crazy happens. As God was glorified, he continues the cycle, and then he starts adding to their number daily those who are being saved. And so continually the church is having new people coming, to, coming into it, new disciples being added. And so there was this necessity to continue to mature the people of God. Since I stepped into the teaching pastor position here at Southside, I've been using this phrase, be the church every week. I've tried to cast a vision of what it looks like when we accept this call, not just to go to church, but actually live life as the church. And this morning I'd like to urge you once again to take this very seriously. I have a few things for us to consider this morning if we truly want to be the church. So pardon as I step onto my soapbox for just a moment. If I step on your toes, good. <laughs> this morning I would like to ask this question, what do we need to do if we want to be the church? If we want to be the church, then we need to stop viewing the church as just another activity in which we're involved. Okay, We need to stop viewing the church as just another activity in which we're involved. And for example, the church is not a social club. It is not on par with the Elks Lodge, the Moose, the Buffaloes, the... And, whatever other social organization you may belong to. It's not the same. That's not his purpose. God didn't die for the Moose Lodge. Well, I mean, he kind of, I mean, the people in it, right? Don't take me too literally here this morning, right? But it's not a social club to meet our social needs. That's not its purpose, right? So we can't view the church that way. It's not a form of entertainment. It's not something that we do because nothing else is happening on Sunday morning. So let's go and hear some music and uh, take a nap during the sermon, and then we go about the rest of our day. Right? That's not what it's for. It's not for our entertainment. The church is not something that we do when nothing else is going on. Right? It's not just another activity. That's not why Jesus died. That's not why this church was started. Right? If we want to be the church, we need to stop seeing it as an activity that we, that we do each week. It's not an activity. Here's the next one. If we want to be the church, we need to stop seeing the church as a service provider. Okay, what do I mean by service provider? I want you to think about the services that a community offers. Okay, community here in Lebanon offers us a lot of, a lot of services. For example, uh, if you are sick, where do you go? The hospital, right? And so people often view the church as a place to go when they become spiritually sick. And guess when we don't see them? 
when they're not, when they don't feel spiritually sick. See, there's a difference. We use a hospital when we need a hospital, when we are ill, when we're injured. The church is in the place just to go when we're ill or injured, right? This is a committed. It says the early church was committed to being the church on a daily basis, right? Now, don't get too upset before I, I'm going to keep going here for a little while. Then I'll explain myself a little bit. Don, loosen the collar a little bit. What happens, I'm going to keep on this idea, what happens when our car breaks down? Where do we take it? To a garage, right? We take it to the mechanic. Okay, the church isn't a mechanic's shop. It's not a car garage. It's not a place that we take ourselves when, when we're broken. Okay? That's more than that. That's not what's in its purpose. All right? Let's keep going. It's not a patrol service to watch our youth and make sure they stay out of trouble. That's not what the church was designed for. Okay? But sometimes that's our idea. I'm going to take my kids to church so that the church will fix them. All right? The spiritual training of your children, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks down the road as we approach our parent-child dedication, but the church is not the primary responsibility. It's not our primary responsibility to train your kids. That's your job. The church gets to participate in that. They get to assist in that, but that's your responsibility. But people see the church as a patrol service to help shepherd, to help, you know, kind of guide their kids to make sure they're doing the right thing and staying out of trouble. All right, I'm going to keep going. Have I stepped on any toes yet? If we want to be the church, we need to stop viewing the church as what good people do or where good people go. You see, sometimes we get this opinion, and I've, and I've struggled with this over the years, that good people go to church, and so I'm just going to go to church because I, I want to be a good person. Or we do that because that's what we do. Our family are Christian, and so we go to church. Not that there's a, there's a heart behind it. It's a routine, right? That's not what the church is about. The church isn't just for good people. It's for bad people too, right? Not just about good people. Sometimes we get this idea that we need to go to church because that's what makes ha- God happy, and I want to make sure God's happy with me so that, like we talked about last week, we can punch our ticket. That's not what the church is about. It's not about be- keeping up appearances. Okay, so there's some things wh- that the church is not about. It's not about just another activity. It's not about being a service provider, and it's not about what good people do. Now, let me say this. I'll backtrack on myself just a little bit. The church should accomplish all of those things, right? You agree with me? The church, when it is, when we are being the church, it does act as all of those things. It is another activity that we do, and it should be one we look forward to participating in, and we should fulfill our social needs as a result of this church, right? It should act as a service provider. It should be mending the sick, helping the injured, feeding the poor. It should be doing those things, but that's not its express purpose. It's not its only purpose. It should be a place where good people go. It should be a place where anybody feels comfortable going. So this morning, let's look at what the church should be. And I only have one of those this morning. I have three things it shouldn't be, but one thing it should be. And if we want to be the church, we need to start viewing the church as our family. Our family. You know, when, when I was uh, in high school, I remember I had a, a coach, and, and he talked about the three F's of priorities. 
And uh, the three F's were um, faith, family, and friends. And is Janet Yerby here this morning? Nope, I think, I think she goes to the second hour. She has a license plate. If you're, if you're familiar with her, she has a little license plate, and it's uh, one of those custom ones, and it says, it's, it's what, thing? T-Y-G-F-F-F. And I always give her a hard time about being, thank you, God, for French fries. <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's thank God for faith, family, friends, right? Uh, right. Well, faith, family, friends was, was that kind of slogan that he tried to instill upon us uh, and in football, we added a few F's, and, and mainly football, right? So faith, family, friends, and then football. But trying to help us understand that football is a priority, but it's down low, right? Uh, when family, though, and faith were always right there at the top of that list. Because there's something special about our faith, and there's something very special about our family. And if we view the church as our family, we kind of combine those top two priorities together. I want to tell you a little story this morning that, that uh, popped into my mind this week as I, was, as I was planning on what to speak about. It came from the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, we have the Israelites, and they've been taken into captivity years, years earlier. And finally, they're starting to experience a little bit of freedom, and they're allowed to return back to Jerusalem. And so they go back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem has been destroyed. Things are not good in Jerusalem. And they want to kind of reestablish things and they want to rebuild and kind of regroup. And, and so they start working on the walls. But things don't go well and, and they re- encounter resistance. And there's, there's surrounding little um, kings and, and other little groups of people around them that are upset that they're restoring Jerusalem because they're a little worried about what would happen if the Israelite nation was reestablished. And so they, they put pressure on the Israelites and, and they, they threaten to attack and, and the people get discouraged and, and they're just not accomplishing what they need to do to rebuild the walls. And so along comes Nehemiah. And Nehemiah does something that was pretty revolutionary in a sense. What he did was he grouped people by where they lived around the city. And he put the people, the men who were rebuilding the walls, he put them in charge of rebuilding the walls in front of where their family was. And so guess what happened to the building of the walls? It became a priority for them because they devoted themselves to repairing what would protect their own. Let's read that real quick. I forgot to do that. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. It says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So all of a sudden now the rebuilding effort of the walls became very, very important to those men. And it wasn't just a matter of getting discouraged and and giving up because there was something at stake, the lives of their kids, the lives of their wives, the lives of their family and their friends. When the people had a reason, they made building the walls a priority. When we view the church as our family, something changes in our lives. And that is the church becomes a priority. You know, when I was a kid in church, we ended the service every week uh, with the same song. Same song, week in and week out. Uh, For years, I think, it might have been weeks. As a little kid, it seemed like a long time, whatever it was. But it sent us out of the building with this idea 
of what our priority was when it came to the church. And it went like this. You probably are familiar with it. In fact, I think we've sung it here before. It goes like this. It says, I'm so glad I'm a part of what? Family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm a part of the family, the family of God. You'll notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family, and these are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God I belong. You know, and that verse has stuck with me since I was a little kid. And, and I could still, I still, whenever someone uh, says family of God, that's the first thing that pops into my brain. See, when we have that understanding that the church is a family, church becomes a priority. And it's a lot easier to be the church. So I'd like to look real quick back at this Acts chapter 2 passage. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I see this concept of viewing the church as a family as vital to how the church in Acts stayed committed to the principles that we found in this passage. They were committed to meeting together. They, were, they valued each other like family members. They ate together. They invited people into their homes and with good attitudes, not just out of obligation. So we see that picture demonstrated for us. What does it look like in our daily life? As Christians today in 2015, how does this play out for us? Well, we need to first understand the first half of that verse that says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. We need to make meeting together a priority. It needs to be a priority for you to be here on Sunday morning. Right? It's not just so a, pen, a, a pew bench is filled, but it's because we're family and we're, we're not quite whole when you're missing. And I mentioned that before. But may, we need to make meeting together as the church a priority. In Hebrews chapter 10, Excuse me. Verse 24 and 25, it says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, one of the things I value about my childhood and specifically my parents and the job that they did raising my sister and I above almost everything else was their dedication and their commitment to making church a priority. And I can't remember a time in my life where I missed more than one Sunday in a row. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back at all. But my parents made it very clear that as Christians, we were committed to this family, whatever church family we were part of. And, and that has stuck with me, and I've seen church that way. And so it makes it a whole lot easier to wake up in the morning on Sunday morning, even if I'm not feeling well. Because I get to go be with my family. And when we have that, again, when we have that concept that the church is our family, it makes it a lot easier to make it a priority. You know, parents, grandparents, what are you teaching your kids, your grandkids, about the importance of being the church? You know, I, I, again, along with our idea of earlier not being a social hub, I'd have to ask this question, what's more important, 
church, being the church, or your kids' athletic teams? Are weekends away more important than being with your church family? Is sleeping in on Sunday morning more important than worshiping God together? You know, is Saturday night and what we do with our entertainment, are those choices more important than what happens Sunday morning? You know, when you, it may be little things, but one of the things, I, again, that I think back on my parents, I see that Saturday nights were not more important than Sunday morning. No matter what it was, no matter how much they wanted to do something else, they made sure we were in bed by a certain time so that we would be up to attend church on Sunday morning. Make church a priority. Make being the church a priority. Make this family a priority. Second thing, get involved outside of the worship service. Okay, what we do here on Sunday morning is important, but it's not the end-all, be-all of being the church. It's just one little portion, one hour, and 10 minutes of each week, right? Maybe 15 this morning. All right. <laughs> because you notice in, in that passage we just read in verse 46, it says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It was more than just the worship service, right? They, they met together outside of this worship service. Okay, so uh, sometimes it was home groups. Sometimes it was Bible studies. Sometimes it was a breakfast. You know, we, we have all of those things here, service opportunities. Yesterday morning, yesterday morning we got together and we, we cleaned up the church grounds. Okay, that's being the church. That's gathering together, eating together. Ooh, I'm going to talk about that one in a minute. I like that one. All right. But home groups. I want to, I want to take a moment and just talk about home groups for a moment. The, the early church was committed to being together. And they met together in their homes. In fact, uh, as the church grew, there wasn't places all the time just to, where they could gather as the thousands. Sometimes they could gather at the, the temple steps, but often they met together in their homes. And, and home churches were very common uh, throughout the city. That was the big C church, but they met together in their homes. And a lot of these things that we've been talking about were practiced in the homes. And as a result, people felt like a family of God. That's where that terminology comes from, right? That concept, because people were connected to each other. And home groups are one of the the most amazing things that you can do to become connected to a body of believers. And this morning, we have a short little little video for you guys to watch. And it's the testimony, it's the story of one of the families here at Southside who uh, weren't involved in a home group, but then decided to make that a priority in their lives. And as a result, some amazing things have taken place in their lives. And and they wanted to share that story with you all this morning. So let's go ahead and watch uh, this uh, story of Southside. We're Laura and Randy Schaefer, and we have been uh, at Southside Church for about seven years now. Uh, we have been attending Danny and Kathy Holmes' uh, home group for, this is going on four years. Um, we originally weren't really uh, connected to any other groups or um, activities with the church but they asked us to join their group and I was ready to jump in because I wanted to meet new people from church and um, and get more involved. And I wasn't. <laughs> I think a typical male. And 
stayed in the background, didn't didn't want to jump into anything. So, but through her persistence, she got me there, and I'm glad she did. It's been a great experience. We've you know not only met, got to know Danny and Kathy better, but all the members of the group. Um, we um, have gotten to know you know about them personally. We've gone through. Um, struggles that everyone has had. We've, we share our life experiences. Um, we had an especially um, difficult time uh, a little over a year ago when our son and daughter-in-law um, got pregnant with twins through the in vitro process. She delivered the babies three months early and so they were in the neonatal intensive care unit for 63 days up in, in uh, Salem. So that was very a very difficult time for us because we didn't know from day to day how things were going to turn out and um, our faith was really tested and our home group we every week we would go and give them progress reports and you know they would you know spend time praying for us they would you know check on us and um, it was just very comforting and and uh, it was just a, a we just knew just knowing that you had that group of people there supporting you was very important and it really got us through and and we you know shared that with our kids and you know let them know that you know our church is praying for you our home group is praying for you and and these babies and and fortunately they're going to be a year old this week so it's everything you know praise God everything turned out well I think another important aspect is the social we have a we bring snacks and everybody you know, loves food, so we, you know, spend time talking and getting to know each other, you know, even more. Well, we've met couples that we wouldn't have met otherwise because they go to the different service than we do, mm -hmm. and met even more people through them. So there's that connect connectivity there. There's the the fact that you've got somebody that's got your back. Mm -hmm. Um, and the desserts are good. Desserts are good. We have got some good cooks in our home group. Um, we've also, I think, just in talking to them, we've learned about other opportunities in the church to serve and and other ways to become more involved, which has really been important to me to just you know make friends and just be involved in you know, women's ministries and and um, you know just helping out where needed. So I've been involved with the Welcome Center and just um, greeting people, which, you know, I like I like doing that. I like that interaction. And Randy's become involved in... Yeah, I would not have if we hadn't got involved in the, the groups because I'm kind of a stay-in-the-background kind of guy. So it's been really good for us. I'm really glad we've done definitely would recommend it to anybody. It's been a true blessing. Mm -hmm. I second that. What the Schaefers experienced in, in their home group is what being the church is all about. You see all those things that I said that we need to stop seeing the church as because that's not its primary function. 
once again, are, are all fulfilled as a result of them becoming a part of a group that, that sees itself as a family. And, and connective relationships are so important. And, and we've talked about this almost in, in every week in this, seri- this series of being the church, this idea of, of being together, being united together, being to fellowshipping together, to praying for one another. Uh, everything that we've been talking about is reflected in what they've experienced in their home group. And I just would really encourage you guys, and it's going to be, you're going to hear it in our, my take at home in just a, a few minutes, that you need to be connected some way. You need to have a family here at Southside. And, and, and as much as I love what takes place here in this service, it, it's pretty much everyone looking forward. And that minute, two minutes that we have to shake a hand of someone isn't enough for us to develop a love for somebody else to develop a family-like relationship with someone else. It has to take place outside of these walls, whether it be a Bible study, whether it be going to the men's retreat or a women's retreat or a men's or women's breakfast. That's where we really start to develop relationships with one another. And I can tell you personally that home groups have been such a blessing for me in my life, and you can see the blessing that it's been for the Schaefers as well. Lastly, uh, I mentioned eating together. Uh, eating together, it, it, there's something special about sharing a meal with someone. And in the Bible, the idea of, of feasting and, and eating together is something that's pretty special. In, in the book of, of Luke, chapter 15, we see the story of the prodigal son who, who leaves home and abandons his family and finally realizes the error of his ways, and he comes home, and what's the first thing his dad does after scooping him in his arms and giving him a big hug? He throws a feast, right? He throws a feast because his family is sharing the joy of a reunited son. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus uses a parable of a wedding banquet to illustrate his love and his desire to connect with his people. And he invites his people in. And he invites people from all over. And sadly, so many people reject this meal with their Savior. The idea of eating together is something that's very special. And in Revelation chapter 19 we see a picture of what they call the marriage supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we're reunited together with Jesus, we'll sit at that banquet table and we'll eat with our Savior. There's something special. And in our home group, I know that's one of the things we eat well. <laughs> and, and it is a great time of fellowship together because we're eating with our family. And every Monday night, we get to spend a night with our family. And, and it's an amazing thing. See, the early church in Acts chapter 2 were committed to these ideas. That the church was, was their family as, as much as their blood relatives were their family. And as a result, because they saw the church as their family, it was easy for them to be committed to generosity, to be committed to praying with each other, to committed to worship, to committed to, to uh, being united together because something was at stake. Just like Nehemiah and those people fought for their families, people were willing to fight for their, their church family as well. This morning, I'd like to challenge you with a couple things. The first one is, again, to memorize Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 2. Let's say it together this morning. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, 
being one in spirit and of one mind. Philippians 2, 2. Again, a picture of God's family right there. Memorize that verse. Also, here's the next part I'd like to, to challenge you. To join a home group. You know, you're going to hear this. You're going to hear this over and over and over until you get sick of hearing it. Right? Maybe you already are. To join a home group. Right? <laughs> join a home group. Join a midweek Bible study. Attend an upcoming men's or women's breakfast. Go to the men's retreat. Do something outside of Sunday morning with your church family. Right? Pray about that this week. Consider doing that. I know that you'll have an experience much like the Schaefer's who were, who were loosely connected to this body. But when they joined in and became part of the family, their commitment, there's no doubt about it now. They're devoted to living life together. Let's pray. God, we love you so very much. And we're so grateful. And we say it each and every week, but it gets no less important to us. It, the, the way that you've demonstrated your love is just amazing. Father, you've, you've created this world for us. You've sacrificed your son for us. And you've placed in, in, in our lives this thing called the church that we get to belong to as part of your family. You've adopted us into it. You've, you've given us an eternal inheritance in you. And I just pray, Father, that we will see each other as that brothers and sisters in Christ and that we will be committed to each other and that we will be as committed to each other as you are committed to us. And God, I just pray that here at Southside, as as we make that commitment, as we are devoted to one another, Father, that you will add to your kingdom each and every day the number of people being saved. And we ask, Father, that in all of that, that you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.